Nick was sharing, it's easy to have lots of noise. It's uh, easy to get distracted with all kinds of things. Have you noticed that? Um, Maybe there's so much noise you don't notice that. Um, There's so many peripheral things going on that kind of clutter the way. Peripheral things are important, by the way. They're not irrelevant. They do matter. But sometimes the peripheral things just... uh, so often distract us. We're easily distracted. By the way, have you guys noticed those streamers hanging down ever since Easter? Have you noticed that? Those hanging down. Uh, Isn't that a cool reminder of Easter? You know, even as I look over there, I've been thinking for, actually spent a couple years on these walls getting a a worship walk and work names and signs down those. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Where was I? Easily distracted. Um... You know, it's kind of like getting distracted is almost a character trait of God's people. Uh, I'd say that even look at the Old Testament. I mean, God's people are just having the hardest time just staying on center with the Lord, aren't they? And, and bless their hearts. God just is, is a patient shepherd. We kind of saw that in the book of Judges when he went through that. Um, God's people with that, getting off center. By the way, have you, have you heard about all the hubbub in the news about Potential new Supreme Court, maybe sometime here in the. Have you heard about that? Anyway, back on center. Um, God's people easily get distracted with things, um, but it's stayed back on center. In fact, we see distraction in the New Testament, Matthew 22, verse 34 through 40. Don't turn there, just mentioning it. It's a key passage. It's been a huge passage for me in the last six months, even personally. It's been a huge passage for me in some of my schooling work that I'm doing with my doctorate right now. And by the way, I'll just note, I got chapter four submitted. I got chapter five, the end of this month, chapter six, the end of the next month, and then the whole thing, anyway, easily distracted. Uh, Matthew 22, 34 to 40, Pharisees are kind of trying to punk Jesus. Uh, They're playing him. Um, You see, by the time in the New Testament, they had so many distractions of religiosity around that they didn't even know what the center was. And so what they do in in trying to punk Jesus and play with him is they come to Jesus and they ask him, they say, hey, what's the greatest command? They really weren't interested. They're just playing a game trying to set him up for it all. But what Jesus responds with is is stunning. Hey, what's the greatest commandment? Hey, I can actually answer that one. Agape the Lord, love the Lord. How? With all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. By the way, agape, it's not a hallmark love. It's not a touchy-feely love. It's a warrior love. Um, Love the Lord with all your soul, all your heart, all your mind like that. That's the greatest. Oh, and by the way, while I'm on it, there's one that goes right along with it. In fact, I can't even separate the two out. And it'll say the other one is love others. Agape them. Warrior love the Lord and warrior love the other. And by the way, Jesus says, out of these two commands, the entire Old Testament laws and the prophets hinge on those. You want to know what center? That center. It's good to have Nick and Jill back, isn't it? It really is. By the way, August 6th, uh, Sunday, you want to make sure and be here. Uh, and Nick and Jill are going to be spending some time and just talking about what they learned in sabbatical because you probably think it was just a great vacation time, but that's called a vacation. That's not really a sabbatical. And, and uh, so we're going to use some time on that Sunday, August 6th. So you want to be here for that. And, and the Romania team left. And the, Oh, yeah, distracted. I'm playing. You with me? Sometimes illustrations bomb. I've noticed in our text where we're at today, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 6 through 13. Would you turn there, please? 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, I believe it's page 987. If you don't have a Bible, use one of the Bibles there. There's something really powerful about having a Bible on your lap to be able to look at, to read through, and mark up, and work on. Um, uh, So many of the commentators uh, seem to kind of get distracted here in this uh, closing couple paragraphs in chapter 3. Um, They kind of, uh, uh, in the beginning it talks about Timothy bringing back this report and and, and it's it's interesting and it has its place but kind of like how long was he gone, where are they at, where's Paul, what about Silas, what about Timothy, all this kind of stuff and interesting but I don't think it's the point of the passage. 
And when you read a, read a little bit further here, as you'll see in a minute, and Paul mentions that uh, he's praying for them. And uh, some of the commentators kind of get off into a, a thing of, you know, hey, he's laying out how to pray. And I'm like, well, okay, he's just saying he's praying, and there's a time for that and a place for that, and that would be a great study, and this could be a part of that. But that's also not the central thing of the text, I think, going on with it all. And then you get to the very last couple words in chapter 3 about the Lord Jesus with all the saints, and ooh, boy, there we go. We're off into end times and talking about rapture, no rapture, uh, when is it, all that kind of stuff going on. And, and oftentimes we end up missing the very center of the core of what this text is about. So I'm going to stay on center today. No more distractions, no more streamers, no more uh, discussions like that. We're going to stay on center with our text today um, because it's really important. It's, uh, it, it kind of contains a thread that's been running through the entirety of the first three chapters, which means chapter one. It would be reciprocating relationship. Reciprocating relationship. I'd note it this way. As Ephesians chapters one through three is kind of the foundation groundwork. If you want to know what it looks like to have relationship with God and what all is involved in that and what comes out of that when you are redeemed in Christ, Ephesians one through three lays the groundwork for essentially what it means to be loved by and to love God. Uh, similarly, 1 Thessalonians chapters 1 through 3, I think, lays the theological and pragmatic groundwork for what it looks like to live in relationship with others, to live in loving, growing, ongoing, reciprocating kind of relationship because you just don't see three chapters like this in any of the other epistles starting out the way these do. They're just precious as can be. And yeah, I'm okay as a man saying that because they are precious and what they talk about here. Maybe you're thinking at this point, if you've been through this series, it's like, come on, man, it's been relationship, 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 blah, 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 blah. Um, hang in there. Um, we got one more, and maybe I'll say this. Um, okay, Mr. Relationship Scrooge, or Mrs. Relationship Scrooge, let me take you uh, on a, a quick little journey, just a quick one here to the past, the present, and the future, and lay this out. Um, eternity past. What was going on in eternity past? It's an intriguing thing when you think about it because we're not told much about it. In fact, what does eternity past have to show for itself? You know, we like to show things. We like to see things. We like to be able to know that yesterday I was working in our yard a lot, and over that period of time, getting caught up with some things in our yard, you go out, and I'm telling you, it looks better than it did then. I have some validation of what I did during that time. But here's the question. What validates what happened in eternity past? We know nothing. Like, like... Seriously, they had to like, the Trinity had to wake up and like do something. I mean, what did they do during that time? Hey, let me throw this out. Maybe in eternity past, the thing that was so marvelous and the mark of eternity past is that the Godhead, God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, actually just existed in perfect relationship and that's it. No, it had to be more than that because that would be boring after a while. Maybe not. Maybe it was just the fact of perfect relationship together without sin for all of eternity past and that's all there is to show for it. Eternity past, relationship and reciprocating relationship between the Godhead. Let's take a quick trip to eternity present. It's interesting. We were created in relationship, by relationship, and for relationship. The Godhead created uh, the universe, and really mankind being the, the, the pinnacle creation of all that, as you read that in Genesis, and, and created us to be in relationship. Not just one, not, not just one walking around, but, but two and then giving a directive to go and multiply. I want more of this. What More what? More relationship. More relationship horizontally together and more relationship with God vertically. 
more of that. That's what it is. When creation began, it was all about relationship. Yeah, but, but, but uh, Pastor Doug, but then sin came in and the fall came in and like blew, blew things all apart and the earth started falling because all oh, that like destroyed. No, because you go to Genesis 9 and God gives to, to Noah and his family the exact same directive. And then consider Matthew 22 when the second person of the Trinity talks about what's the greatest thing, like what's the greatest thing that could possibly be done, that I could possibly follow, that I could possibly orient my life around. What is that, what is that, what is that? Here it is, love God, love others. That's it, that's it, and that is relationship. That's what it's all about. Creation then even ends centered on relationship. How's that? Well, because it ends in all depending upon what your relationship with the Lord is. That's the defining factor. Let's jump into eternity future. What's eternity future all about? Well, it's about the tree, and it's about the river, and it's about golden streets, about the whole new earth. No, it's not. Revelation 21, what's the centerpiece? Those are all marvelous things. But what's the centerpiece of all of eternity? God with man. That's it. Man with God. Redeem mankind living in without sin with the Godhead. Relationship. What's the thing through the whole thing? Relationship. So friends, all of life ultimately is about relationship. When my dad left, my dad was a tinkerer. My dad was a, a, a builder. My dad was a maker of things. And I'm telling you, everything he tinkered with, everything he made, everything was left behind when he died. It's about relationship. I'm gonna leave the slide up on the side here and not just as a distraction, but to kind of keep this in our minds and stay on point. It's about relationships. So let's do two things here, okay? Let's do two things. How many? Two things in our time here. I'll just kind of, we're going to go through this in, a, in kind of a, a moving quick way. Let's uh, see the work of reciprocating relationships in this text. We're going to read through it once, and I'm going to point out to you some of this movement of these reciprocating relationships. Then we're going to go back and read through it again and take a look at what was the reciprocating relationships reciprocating on? Does that make sense? What were the reciprocating relationships actually reciprocating on? What, 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 what was the thing going on there? So let's do that. Uh, let me begin. Let's see the work of reciprocating relationships. And uh, let me read through this text. You look in your Bible. Chapter 1 really is about uh, Paul, Silas, and Timothy telling about their relationship or, or what God was doing in the relationship with Team Thessalonica, God's people in Thessalonica. Chapter 2 is really about what God was doing with Paul, Silas, and Timothy while they were there doing ministry there. We loved you so much. We delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well, like a nursing mother, like a faithful father in chapter 2. And then chapter 3 is really talking about kind of, if you might say it, what's been going on in both since after Paul and Silas and Timothy left and Pastor Eric last Sunday uh, communicated so well about some of the details of that. So let me just read through, pick up on six. Let's see the reciprocating relationships here. Let me actually begin in verse five in chapter three and, and let's roll here. Paul says, for this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about what? Your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. So what we're about to read is coming out of that, Paul's, Silas, and Timothy's desire to want to know what's going on with the people that they loved and that they cared about. Let me read uh, a verse at a time, verse six. But now, but now that Timothy has come to us from you, so the idea is I'm not going to go through the time. I'm not going to go through the movement of locations. It doesn't really matter here. Here's the point. They're writing this letter after Timothy has come back with some new information about how God's people in Thessalonica are doing after they've come in contact with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And, and now they're finding out. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us good news. 
good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly, long to see us as long as we long to see you. Uh, where's the reciprocating relationship going on? It's all through verse 6. He talks about, he, listen, Timothy has gone to you to find out because we care about you. And then he's come back and he's told us good news about what's going on. And that good news includes the fact that you miss us. <laughs> listen, Paul, Silas, and Timothy were not doing what they were doing on a career basis. They were doing what they were doing because they loved God and loved people. And we see the love for people here. In it, we're like, we loved you, and it's so good to hear that you miss us. Uh, that's, that's a relationship, right? If you didn't care about that, there would be no relationship. And, and Timothy brings back good news to them, and, uh, and that uh, includes that they long to see them. Verse 7, for this reason, brothers, for this reason, sisters, in all our distress and affliction, uh, we have been comforted about you through your faith. So they hear this good news, and what's going on? It comforts Paul, Silas, and Timothy. It encourages them. They poured into these people. They had to hightail it out of town in the middle of the night, literally, and away. They're away for a period of time. How long? It doesn't matter. Not a whole long, but they're missing them desperately. They want to know how they're doing with it. They send us. They, like, actually miss us. Like, when we're gone, they miss us. And on top of that, as they hear this, they're just so comforted. By the way, notice in the text here, it talks about how uh, in our own distress and affliction, in other words, it's still going on. The distress and affliction for Paul, Silas, and Timothy hasn't stopped. It's still going on. And even in their own struggles as leaders that they're going through right at the time, (laughs) they hear back and they are encouraged by that How cool is that? That is reciprocating, right? Hey, parents who have older children, isn't it wonderful just at times to be able to hear when your older children get back to you and you find out that they're doing really well? Doesn't that encourage you? Younger parents, you need to hear that because right now you may not be hearing any about that from your kids. They're just like sucking from you. All the time. No, no, no. But there are times when you see things, right? When you see little movements. Oh, I could go into the stories with our kids. And it's like, I can keep going now. Five minutes ago, I was about ready to exterminate you. (laughs) But now I can continue on. In my distress, (laughs) I can continue on. And maybe that's not a parent thing. Maybe that's a relationship thing with anyone. Verse 8. Excuse me. For now we live if you are standing fast in the Lord. Do you hear that? It gives life. The hearing that you are standing in the Lord, when we hear that, it literally gives us life. It not only comforts in the distress and the trial we're going through, but it literally refuels us to keep going. How sweet. Verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you? For all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God. It's, it's now resulting in Paul, Silas, and Timothy giving thanks to the Lord communicating their joy for them. Can you imagine when the Thessalonians then get this letter back after Timothy had been there and given a report? Because there's probably some people are like, I wonder what Timothy's really going to tell Paul and Silas. And then they get this letter back and it's like, oh, you have no idea. Of the encouragement of the comfort, of the life that you bring us. You have no idea, but you need to hear it. Isn't that encouraging to them? And it fuels them to keep going. Verse 10, 
as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face. We're not just communicating and done. We're, we're actually praying earnestly night and day that one of these days we can see you again face to face. And also not only uh, see you face, you increase and abound in love for one another and for all as we do for you. So that we may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father, the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. Do you see the reciprocating going on here? Because it's not done in the letter. Basically how they're finishing at this point is is this is not a relationship that was started, had a period of time, and now we've left and now it's over. No, no, no. This is a relationship that goes on and on and on. And we look forward to pouring more into you and you into us. And it reciprocates and it continues and it rotates and it moves on. It's pouring into and it's pouring back onto. That's what reciprocating relationships are. They pour into and then they pour back onto. Let me just kind of make two comments with this. We tend to major on being poured on. and Minor on pouring back out at times. We, uh, we want to be poured back on, right? Sometimes we just wait for that over and over again. And I'm just gonna, by the way, I just wanna say this. I, I love you. I love you. That's always like when parents are like, ready to say something hard. I'm sad to say that we Christians sometimes can be the worst at this. Because it's like we sometimes we go around thinking, you're supposed to love. (laughs) Pour it on me, man. You know, pour it on me. Come get me. You connect me. You know, you grow me. You grow my child. Straight up. It's lazy and self-centered. It's lazy and self-centered. It's not 1 Thessalonians 2.8. Because the beginning of 1 Thessalonians 2.8 says we loved you so much. By the way, Paul, Silas, and Timothy did not even know them then. He's making that statement as a theological statement. Before we even met you, before we even knew you, we loved you. Why? We'll talk about that here in a little bit. And it's out of that reality that they then move. It's not go Christianity oftentimes. It's consumer Christianity. I learned this about myself in high school. I was a follower of Christ and wanted to have an impact for Christ and in high school and in God's sovereignty uh, moved me four times with my family. Uh, the law just would not give up on us, but that was a joke. <laughs> for online, that was a joke. Um, I went to four high schools in four different states all through high school years, and, and I don't think I'd be here today had that, that happened. Uh, at the core of me, I'm a very timid individual. The core of me. And uh, one of the things I learned is that uh, when you move and you go somewhere, you wait for people to come and love back on you because, hey, you're the new guy around, and so kind of the way I worked around that was through sports and that was the way to meet people and, and that became a thing. But the thing I continued to realize is that people don't want to pour back. They don't want to pour on to you. And it was like I kept waiting and I'd move to Illinois and then move to Wisconsin and then move to Pennsylvania and then move to Minnesota and it's the same story again and again. I wanted to have relationships with people. I wanted to get to know people. I, I thought I was kind of someone fun to hang around with. But it was like no one wanted to pour on, right? And so I kind of, moving out to uh, Pennsylvania after my Wisconsin uh, experience for the second time, I kind of clicked with me as a timid young man that it's like, okay, if I'm going to get anywhere, you got to go for it. You can't wait. And I turned things. And, And I began seeing that you can't wait for people to come to you Uh, Even God's people, sad as it is to say, you got to go. You got to go. Oh, go. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that what like the Great Commission driving verb is? Go. And and, and I'll just end this. uh, This is the kind of thing that Paul, Silas, and Timothy were the guys who went. I mean, they went and look what comes out of that. 
Look what comes out of that. And I'm sorry to say too often today churches and church leadership caters to consumer Christianity. It structures around it. It it, it builds around it. Why? I'm just going to be honest with you. I think because at times we're more interested in raising numbers than we are interested in raising disciples. So I'll just lovingly say this. If you're waiting... It's time to pick it up and be a goer. Go. Go connect. But they're supposed to me come to me. I know. But go. Go after it. If you're looking for a church, wherever church you settle down into, don't wait. Go. Go after it. Heavy words, hard words. I just ask that you would receive those words. Second comment. Sorry. That song before the sermon crushed me, devastated me in a good way. So bear with me. Second thing, thank you. Thank you for the formal and informal reciprocating relationships going on here. Romania, that's what it's all about right now. That's a reciprocating relationship. We don't go there because we think we got it figured out. We go there because we want to do life with people that we know there. St. Vincent team, we don't go there because we think we've got it figured out and we're going to pour out because we're awesome. We go there because we have people that we've built relationship with over the years whom we love dearly. These are strategic partnerships. We, we have people here who have, see Katie here, her husband is up at camp with, with, with kids and she's taking care of her kids at home alone with this. And it's like, he's up there doing that and others have done that as well with it. And it's like, how awesome is that, right? And they're gonna come back so crazy exhausted. That's pouring into and we pray that even from those kids that they would pour back out. Well, just a word. Parents, may you help your kids learn to pour back out on them after they return. Thank you for being the kind of church that pours out. I'm grateful for you. Always growing in it. But let me just give you an example here. Small example of pouring out. Pastor Eric got this email here this last week. Um, Forward it to us. Be encouraged by this. Oh, I wish I wasn't such a sap. (laughs) Joe says in an email, we were at Harvest this morning and really appreciated the worship and message. My brother passed away a week ago of a rare and swiftly moving brain disease. So we were in town for the viewing from Dayton, Ohio. Town for the viewing for the funeral for dinners and family gatherings. I can't tell you how uplifting the ministry was to us today. By the way, if, that, if you were here last Sunday, that includes you. You don't think what you do around here in your sitting, in your standing, in your singing, in your entering, in your checking your kids in, and the whole process matters, that proves it right there. I can't tell you how uplifting the ministry there was to us today. I thought I had cried all the tears I had, but the Holy Spirit just spoke to my heart and I was encouraged and renewed thanks to you and the brothers. And sisters in Jesus, that's you. I wasn't here last Sunday and I'm thrilled about that because I get no credit. That was you. Here's the kicker. Come on, Doug. You can do it. As we were seated outside after the service drinking coffee, 
I appreciated a lady. We did not know who came up to us and got to know us. By the way, I have no idea who this person is, and I don't want to know. I think it's just awesome. I think she could tell we were kind of low. My wife is a person who never met a stranger, so she told me about her brother and our heavy heart. So my wife told her, the woman from our church, about our brother and our heavy hearts, and so she prayed with us before we left. It was so heartfelt, spirit-led, genuine. I know we are destined for affliction, he says. That was last Sunday. Subject. But we all need God's people at those times of trial, heartache, and difficulty. Bearing one another's burdens. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know who that was, but that wasn't just about one person. That was about a collective reality. But yet in the collective reality, it was also about one person who had their eye open on people. Who was looking around, trying to pick out what's going on with people. And for some reason, this couple stuck out to them. And whoever this is, stepped out of her comfort zone and went to seek to pour into them. And look at what it did. It results in the reality that we are encouraged. I I am ecstatically encouraged. I pray that this comforts you. furthers you and moves you that we would see the beauty and the wonderfulness of reciprocating relationships. More of that, right? More of that. Question. Let me pick it up. What is reciprocating relationships reciprocating on? Let's look at the text. Let me go back to verse six. Let me just read it through this way. But now that Timothy has come to us from you, has brought us good news, good news of what? What's the, what's the thing reciprocating on? What's it say? Of your, you tell me. Faith and love. Faith and love. That's it. That's the thing that, that, that's the kicker in it. By the way, go back to 1 Thessalonians chapter one. Paul says to Timothy, we give thanks to you, God, always for what? Verse three, your work of faith, your labor of love, your steadfastness of hope in Christ. You go on in chapter 3, verses 1 and 2, it talks about how uh, of their faith. You look at verse 5 in chapter 2, it talks about your faith. And here now again, it's referencing your faith. What is the thing that is this thing that this reciprocating relationship is centering on? It's centering on faith and love. What is faith? Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Verse 3, it talks about by faith we understand the good. The text goes on to talk about, essentially, we understand God. Then verse 6 in Hebrews 11, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. What is faith? Faith is an assurance of. Faith is a conviction of. Faith is an understanding of. Faith is something that must be there, otherwise God is not pleased. Faith brings glory to God. What is faith? Faith is loving God. What is faith? Faith is the reality of loving God. What is love? Agape. Uh, Every use of the word agape in in 1 Thessalonians, from the first three chapters, is referencing to people, a love for people. So here, I think it's the same of your faith and your love. This is about, we see your faith loving God and we see your love loving others. Boom, Matthew 22, baby! That is the thing that this relationship reciprocates on. Let, Let me keep going. 
verse 7, for this reason, brothers and sisters, in our distress and afflictions, we have, comfort, we have been comforted about you, but what's comforting them? Your faith. You see it in the text? Your faith, that's what's comforting us. For now, verse 8, we live. We live, what gives us life? If you are standing in the Lord... Faith, loving God. Verse 9, for what thanksgiving can we return to God for you for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. There's more to be poured in. That's what this whole relationship is all centered upon. Loving God, loving others. Verse 11, now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you and may the Lord make you increase and abound in what? Love for who? For one another and for all as we do for you so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness. We're going to be grabbing that next week. Holiness before God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. By the way, don't get distracted by the saints thing. Is that the... No, stay on topic. Loving God, loving others, reciprocates. That is the fulcrum point of which it reciprocates around. So, Pastor Doug, are you saying no more golfing buddies? No more, like, hobby buds or fishing buddies or no more shopping buds or uh, no pampered chef parties or no more out on the towns together? Are you saying, not saying that? Not saying that! But I will note this. Atheists can do all of those. But we're together! Yeah. And so can atheists be. That is not a distinctive, ultimately defining factor. But we're loving each other. Yeah, by the way, seriously, so can atheists love each other in the same kind of way. What is it? The thing of uncommon community is relationships that are centered upon, revolving around true loving God, living by faith, loving God, and actively loving other people. That's what it's about. That's the defining factor. Paul, Silas, and Timothy, that's exactly what they poured into these people in Thessalonica. Chapter 2, verse 8. We loved you so much. Hear me? We loved you so much that we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Loving God, loving others. That's all that they did. That's what they did. It's not that complicated. But what we center around it, it seems to be complicated because we're distracted by so many other things. That's the center. Biblically driven relationships are reciprocal relationships that reciprocate on faith and love. They reciprocate on loving God and loving others. That's what we're seeking to be here. Maybe you're thinking in this, I don't have those kinds of relationships. Maybe you're thinking, I don't do those kinds of relationships. Today, right now, if that's your response, actually be encouraged. Because today my objective was to see something. And it's that. That we have a tendency when it comes to relationships to get distracted by all the peripheral things. And we actually then find ourselves centering ourselves on something other than what the relationship should be centered upon. Instead, we're to be centering relationships upon loving God and loving others. Faith and love, that's what it should be centering upon. And when we begin to see if that's the case, that that's not happening, that's the first step in beginning to change. So today, I hope you are seeing what we should be, what we're called to be, what we've been, what's been exemplified for us in the text, and then we're gonna start picking up on what does it look like to grow and change. Because that's where it goes next. That's where it goes next.
need a couple helpers. Uh, Marlon and Tanya, and I think the Baths would love to help too. And, and my, my, my wife too. Okay, all right, guys. Uh, Marlon, you grab the heart. All right, got that? All right, Bill. You grab a heart here. Man, doesn't that make you feel manly right there? Come up on the platform. Uh, okay, babe, can you? By the way, this is my wife. I say, babe. Um, Kirsten, can you grab that? And, and can you do that to Tanya? Okay, here's what I want for you to do. Billy, uh, okay, come right over here. I want you to turn this way and, and hold this out like this because you're a strong guy. You can hold those hearts out. Okay, kind of hold it up like hold that. It. Got it? All right, so you're kind of... Okay, so this represents what? Okay, loving God. By the way, here's the funny thing. Okay, honest story. So I got these on Amazon, like everything else in life. <laughs> I thought these were one heart. They're, I thought I was getting two hearts in a box. There were two hearts connected together. <laughs> Read the details. Okay. All right, Marlon, right there. You got it. You got it going. Okay, right here. What is, the, what is Marlon's heart representing? Okay, so the subject here, here turn it around. today we've been talking about it so everybody can see it because not everyone can over there. Okay, this is about, can you see it over there? Okay, is relationships. All right, so I'm going to kind of be using this in, in the weeks to come here. here. Here's what I want to have pointed out to us. All right, so how do we view life now that there's two hearts? Every, each eye, <laughs> you got to adapt when you make a mistake. All right, sometimes you don't tell everybody, but hey, we're real here, right? Okay, so what's going on is, is when we view life, we're looking through the lens of what? And the second command is we look through the lens of? Okay, now, if we've been on the subject of relationship, babe, turn this around. So if I'm thinking of, I'm getting tired. If, if I'm thinking of life and relationships, how do I view my relationships? Whether you're married, whether you're single, whether you're young, whether you're old, whether it's with your kids, whether it's others. <laughs> okay? If I'm looking at relationships, let me walk this and we'll finish. If I'm looking at relationships, stay right there. Here's what I'm not doing. See, when relationships become the thing, I'm seeing relationships. By the way, I just want for you to know, I can see the love of God and I can see the love of others back there. They're kind of part of this, but what's front and center? This results in relationships being an idol of my life or the fear of man. When I view life this way, it's all about relationships. Yeah, whatever back there. Babe, uh, put it right here. All right? If I view relationships just through loving God, and I'll explain that in just a second here, just through loving God and not through a lens of loving other people, I'm not going to get it. Agreed? Karen, go on back. Let me walk this through. We are called to do life with people. And I start with God. Who is God? God is the one who created all things. The Father, the Son, the Spirit existed in, in, in eternity past in perfect relationship together. If anyone gets relationship, God gets relationship. Uh, because loving God is faith, understanding, conviction, awareness. I'm thinking through scripture here. God created us in relationship. He designed us to be in relationship together. That's part of it. A relationship with him. That we would be giving glory to him. And, and God, it, God's awesome, by the way. When I think of who God is, oh my word. Easter. He's bigger than a truck. He's bigger than everything. He, he's, he's amazing. He's stunning. He's all powerful. And yet in the chaos of the, what's going on in this world, God's got it all. He's got it figured out. He's taking it all somewhere. Oh, by the way, not only did he just leave us in our own sin, the second person of the Trinity came in the flesh 
among us and died for us in our place doing for us what we could not do for ourselves providing the opportunity for forgiveness of sin by receiving Christ as my Savior. And, oh my word, I cannot save myself, but he has provided redemption, and he is the one who has done that. And as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. And and Jesus says in it that that, that I'm to take up my cross and walk and follow him. I'm not my own anymore. I'm his now. And so I live by his standards, by his directives, by his movement of it, right? I'm just to be consumed and captivated. What was the other word? Devastated by who God is. When I am captivated, devastated by who God is, I I then look at people through that lens. By the way, do you notice I'm not going here? Uh, Because I'm still looking through this lens in it. And then the image, unlike anything else in creation, He died for people. And he's called us to go to people and to love them. Even our enemies. That changes everything. And by the way, he came loving people. And if he loved people, I and we should be loving people, right? And Karen, bring it out so... Yeah, it, it's... A, no, no, stay, stay where you were, babe. I'm sorry. Go, go back. Go, go back. I don't have enough time, so... When I look at relationships, and I look at it through that lens, everything's different. And then people who are hurtful... People who are hard, people who will even spit on you or crucify you, are still loved because they're created in the image of God and God's called us to love people. I will persevere in relationships because that's why. And by the way, all of this can happen in a nanosecond in our mind. All of this can be thought through in our minds when we're dealing with situations at home with the kids, with friends. Loving God, loving others completely changes how I do, view, see, live relationship. And by the way, this is what Paul, Silas, and Timothy taught people in Thessalonica. And this is what the people in Thessalonica we're living at, not perfectly, but we're living at. And when they heard back of this, that the people they had been ministering to are living through that, oh, awesome. Life-giving. Comforting. Because even when life is hard for you, for me, when others are doing that, it pours back on and keeps me going when I want to bag this. Friends, relationships matter. And may I finish with this. This is all about relationship. This is all about relationship. And all of life comes out of that. Because all of life is about relationship when it comes right down to it. Relationship with the Lord, relationship with others. Lord, you can go ahead and set these on down. Lord, um, thank you. I even just personally, I, I thank you for people that allow me to kind of get turned upside down to uh, at times wrestle with the emotions. Thank you for these people who are here not because um, you're supposed to. At least, Lord, I pray that's not the case. But I pray are here because they want to encounter you and your word, who you are, and what you are about. 
In, in God, these first three chapters, you, you, you cannot get away unless you're distracted. You cannot get away from the center point of these first three chapters about the priority and the primacy and the theological foundation for relationships. The kind of relationships that feed and foster into one another like Pastor Nate a couple weeks ago where it comes right down to it where people become our glory and our joy. Yet, Lord, I realize maybe people in here that are just burnt out on people have been so hurt by people that they're having a hard time getting back up. God, I might just pray that you would pour out your loving kindness and gentleness and grace and power on them and on all of us. We would be a people increasingly understanding what it looks like and increasingly abounding in the reality of living as individuals who love you, who adore you, who grab a hold of you more and more and who see life in, in our situations. It's, it's not just about the checkbook. It's not just about the car. It's not just about the job. It's not just about the functions of life, God. It's about relationships. Those relationships are eternal. They have eternal ramifications. That's the center of the target, God. Yet the reality is, is they're hard. They're tiring, and they're exhausting, and we see our own failure in it, and We just have this incredible way of going after the speck in other people's eyes, not getting after the log in our own. So Lord, I'm just praying for your devastating presence to help us see. Maybe to be made a bit more aware of Position to be moved to change more. Thank you, God, for providing relationship with us. Thank you, God, for providing us with the ability and the opportunity to do relationship with others. May we go after it. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.